0: Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, welcome back to yet another episode of Crypto Over Coffee. I hope you're doing well today, and if you're new here, every Saturday we break down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency over a cup of delicious coffee, which is dangerously full next to my laptop. But that being said, in today's episode, we've got a crypto market update, we've got some Cardano upside information, maybe some analysis on the ADA cryptocurrency, an awesome announcement for Cardano fans on the channel, our 404 Logic Not Found segment, and more. So, make sure you stick around for all the updates. But as always, let's kick it off with questions from you, the folks who support Crypto Over Coffee week in and week out. If you want one of your questions answered, of course, leave them in the comments below. Tweet me at Hashoshi4, or you can leave them in the Hashoshi Discord, which will be linked in the description. If you would be so inclined as well, please do subscribe to the channel, hit the bell notification button, or follow the podcast on your platform of choice so you can get a heads up whenever I post new episodes of Crypto Over Coffee again every single Saturday so with that, let's dive into the first question of the day. Now, the first question of the day is from Tebow. What is the relationship between Alonzo and Gogan? I'm a little confused. So this is about the Cardano world. So this is about the upcoming Alonzo hard fork, which is part of the Gogan development era. So here's how I would explain this. Gogan is an overall development era that's going to bring smart contracts to the Cardano mainnet. This includes things like the Plutus and Marlowe smart contract languages. Both of those things are going to be coming, as well as the execution environment on the network, and some of the more foundational things like multi-asset support, which let, let us you know, see NFTs on Cardano before smart contracts came out. So this is really broken up into four phases, and the last phase of sort of code releases for the Gogan era is this Alonzo hard fork. And so Alonzo is just the last batch of functionality needed to bring Gogan to the finish line. So that's basically how the relationship works. Alonzo and Mary, some of these other forks that we've seen in the past are sort of the, the component parts of the Gogan development era coming to a close and bringing smart contracts to the Cardano mainnet. So thank you for your question, and hopefully that clears things up for you. Now, the next question is from Sneaky Lex. Hey, man, I hear everyone say take profits, but does that apply to the blue chips, like the big caps, like BTC and ETH, or just the altcoins? So the way that I approach taking profits is maybe different than some other people. You might hear online you know, people saying, well, you should never take profits from something like Ether or Bitcoin. But everyone gets into these for a different reason. If you're getting into crypto and you're looking for a short to mid-term profit and that's what you want to get out of this, then taking profits from Bitcoin and Ether actually is not such a bad idea. If you're in it long term, you still might want to take profits because when we hit new all-time highs for Bitcoin, for example, the way I do things is I like to take some off the table because you can only hit all-time highs within a certain period of time so many times. And then when we get to these points right now where we're down 50% off of the all-time high, I've got plenty of capital on the table for me to redistribute into Bitcoin. And that's one of the main ways over the years you know, where I haven't always had money to spare, I've been able to increase my Bitcoin holdings and my Ether holdings over time because I'm selling at the highs as best I can. I make misses. I make mistakes all the time. Everyone does. We can't time the market. I don't know any more than you do. But That strategy has helped me taking profits at all time highs to buy back in when we get those inevitable pullbacks and lows. And in crypto, you know, we've seen 50 to 80 percent pullbacks at times. And so if you sell at that high and you can buy anywhere in these lower portions when we start to have that sell off, you can do really well. So I think it's really about your personal plan, your personal goals. If you're long on Bitcoin, there's nothing wrong with holding on to it long term because you believe in it. If, though, you want to increase your holdings, think about having a strategy to take profits, even if it's 10% of your Bitcoin holdings that you pull off the table for, you know, a dump later on. Not a bad move. So, of course, not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. This is my strategy. But taking profits does apply to big caps if it fits your strategy. Thank you for your question. And the last question of the day is from Renegan Music. I had a quick question. How would exchanges handle tax reporting? If you buy a house with Bitcoin, as an example, don't you only pay taxes once it's changed to fiat USD currency or fiat currency in general? Just curious, I'm a noob. So thank you for this question. First of all, I think a lot of people are confused about this. And candidly, it is different in a lot of different places around the world. So just bear that in mind. This is about the US. I can really only speak to the US because I live in the US despite the sign. My wife is from Canada. That's why the sign is there. We got it together in Toronto. Anyways, I digress. So, for this particular situation, it's a situation where you're trading property, which is in fact cryptocurrency, which has a cost basis, which is whatever you bought it for. So, say you bought one whole Bitcoin at the price of 50,000, it goes up to 65,000 then you you use that bitcoin as part of your down payment for a home let's say you're buying a home that's worth 300k so 65,000 is about 22% or 21% of that particular purchase that you're trying to make so let's just use that as an example now when you do that you are moving from one asset to another so you are effectively buying an asset the home with your bitcoin so you are disposing it for a US dollar Value in a sense, even though you're not moving to cash, you're moving to another another asset. Same way you would if you're moving from Bitcoin to Ether. That juncture, that transition from one asset to another, is a taxable event. So you would be, you know, subsequently uh, liable or responsible for the fifteen thousand dollar capital gain on that transaction at the time of disposal. So that's your cost basis. Right, Your cost basis minus the sale price gives you sort of the amount that you're going to pay as a negative number, just as a rule of thumb. So that's how it works. And so whether it's a car or a house or other crypto, that is a taxable event. It can also be a tax lost harvesting event, right? If you're in a loss, so if you bought for fifty k and you sell now at thirty six k, you're going to have a loss of fourteen thousand. So there you go. There, there's kind of the way it works. And the reason why this, you know, is interesting is because a lot of people were upset about Elon Musk and Tesla stopping the ability to purchase cars with Bitcoin. But candidly, anyone purchasing a car with Bitcoin probably doesn't maybe understand the implications of buying a car, which is a depreciating asset with a really sound economically sound asset like bitcoin an appreciating asset traditionally over time so to be honest with you i don't think many people use bitcoin to buy luxury items and big items like homes Um, but if you do just definitely know your local tax requirements your local jurisdictions laws and make sure that you're not making any unexpected moves that are going to cost you money and thank you very much to the trucks that love to drive by my office extremely loudly it's always fun but anyways let's dive into the news we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today so let's uh let's go ahead and dive into that now just a friendly reminder just i need to do this every week and it's sad but please be aware of scammers in the comments that are posing as me and other crypto youtubers i don't have a whatsapp i'm not going to ask you to contact me you can tell that it's not me because they talk in a really weird way so if the comment does not have the name highlighted like you see on the screen it isn't me and you can report them so be safe out there folks Now, as many of you have pointed out last week, today is episode 69 of Crypto Over Coffee, and I was hoping that in honor of that juvenile joke in the crypto space that the number represents on the internet this funny thing, Bitcoin would hopefully show some strength for us this weekend so I could give a shiny and positive update on episode 69. But sadly, the power of episode 69 did not materialize, and we are back in yet another situation where the weekend brings sell-off to the crypto markets. As we've been talking about pretty much every week since the culmination of the India, China, and Korea crypto, crypto FUD, uh, Elon Musk's ridiculous social media display, and basically all the other bad stuff that's happened over the last month or two, the crypto markets have just not been able to shake the selling pressure, even after short periods of positive price movement. So we saw Bitcoin shoot back towards 40k, only to hit the wall of weak demand and resulting sell pressure. Naturally, I started seeing the hype around Bitcoin 2021, the biggest Bitcoin conference ever in Miami, resulting in a pump of Bitcoin's price, but I haven't really seen much there either. So the question remains, where do we go from here price-wise? And I personally believe that we have more downside before we clear this phase of crypto market exhaustion. And the bullish moves are just pretty weak right now. And there's not the same ravenous buying power out there when prices dip every week like we saw in Times in past, so could we see twenty thousands and you know for Bitcoin again? Could we see it in the twenty thousands? I can definitely see that happening, to be honest. And I can't say for sure. You know that I always tell you, the goal should be for you to plan for these levels. If you are holding crypto, Bitcoin or not, anything is possible right now. So technical analysis can give you a prediction, not a promise. You know, tech. You know, fundamental analysis can give you an idea, but plan for the eventuality that we might have price movement up or down. Here's one thing I believe with all conviction, until we can, as a community, extricate the future of Bitcoin and crypto from celebrities like Elon Musk, and they can no longer swing markets with a tweet, we will not move to all-time highs. There is a reason Satoshi remained anonymous. People follow figureheads, even if it's dangerous at times. But anyways, what do you think? Do you agree? Yes or no? Tell me why. Comment down below. Now, anyone who watches this show knows that I am a huge fan of Cardano and that as a student of technology, since the day I could walk and talk, essentially, I respect the formally verified scientific approach Cardano has taken towards building the protocol. But first, coffee break. Today's coffee, Red Rooster. Fantastic. Anyways, that process, though, has drawn ire from many in the crypto community who question how long features take to ship on Cardano and that it's vaporware because they're taking too long. However, with the opening of the testnet for Cardano's long-awaited smart contract functionality and the path to mainnet decentralized applications by the end of summer, now is the time for Cardano to shine. After my last Crypto Over Coffee episode outlining the Alonzo hard fork rollout plan to enable smart contracts on mainnet, the questions have started to swirl about where the native ADA cryptocurrency's price can go from here. And I rarely talk about price, but I think this is interesting because I've been surveying the ecosystem for solid projects that are building on Cardano day one, like Charlie Oracles, Sunday Swap, and Liquid Finance on the DeFi side, and NFT projects like Hogsters, Cardano Kids, and UnSigs. There's a lot going on in the space around Cardano, not to mention the work being done in Ethiopia that will depend on smart contracts and the Atala Identity Solution, All of this is hugely positive, and there are already technical trainings going on for people interested in building on Cardano, which is a great move to be making right now ahead of launch to get that day one developer community ready to go. Let me put it this way. We've got a large amount of the ADA supply locked up in staking delegation for block making. We're looking at about 70-80% to or more of the circulating supply staked right now in stake pools. That's a lot of participation, and it helps to stabilize the ADA cryptocurrency price. Then you add on top of this a fee economy for decentralized applications using ADA and the added utility from those dApps and the tokens that they create, you have a recipe for ADA to make a big splash in the market for years to come. Despite the high supply cap of ADA that everyone likes to talk about, it's not without merit to suggest that with the advent of DeFi and adoption in developing countries and dApps that ADA could not make a shorter-term 2x move from its $1.70 to $2 price point today to 4 or 5 bucks, And even beyond that, whether it's shorter or longer term, when the bullishness resumes in the greater market, we could see ADA head towards $10 if the network really kicks into high gear after smart contracts launch. This has been a coiled Viper for a while here, so there's lots to be excited about. And speaking of exciting news, actually in the Cardano space, I have a sweet announcement for Cardano ADA holders that watch my channel. My stake pool has officially launched, and it is open for delegation. This has been a long time coming. The ticker is H4SH, representing a play on my social media handles, Hashoshi4 and my name hash or hashoshi. I will leave the full pool ID down for folks that are using Daedalus or Adalite that might want to delegate to the pool. And if you're using Yoroi, the mobile app, you can simply find my pool with the ticker symbol that I had on the screen here any and all delegation that you can send my way would be massively appreciated. I'm super excited to be a part of this awesome community and even even deeper way helping to mint blocks on the Cardano blockchain and participating in the network more directly. And of course, I will continue to create educational content in the Cardano space and find new and creative ways to engage with you all and give back to the community. So thanks so much in advance for any delegation. And thanks for all of those who pushed me to get this done. I'm really excited now that it's ready to go and looking forward to continuing to engage with you further on it. Now, the next topic that I wanted to talk about today is derivative of questions that I've been getting asked lately about NFTs, and they're usually something like, are NFTs dead? Will the NFT market heat up again, et cetera, because some quantitative analysis has shown that we are down about 90% in terms of the volume on NFTs compared to the peak hype that we saw earlier in the year. Now, here's the deal. This is my opinion. But just like ICOs in 2017 and DeFi in 2019, these hot new niches catch on, even if they've been around for a while. And they just go crazy as people FOMO in and everyone tries to capitalize. And of course, this hype can't last forever. And eventually, the hype outstrips the maturity of the market and the tech. We saw the same thing happening in the past. There are still issues with NFTs and the UX behind it. High fees, fragmented ecosystems, poor mechanisms for displaying the art, no standards for validating that art came from legitimate artists. These things will come, and the catalyzing force is the proof that NFTs have demand. We saw this happening live, just like we saw in DeFi, where we were all celebrating $1 total value locked, and then all of a sudden, things stopped. And we're hearing like, oh, is DeFi dead? And then you flash forward and the maturity of platforms like Aave and others pushed us to tens of billions locked within DeFi within a matter of months. These things go in cycles. And now projects like Engine, Phantasma, Sorare, etc., Chili's, they'll all be building along with net new startups that we haven't seen yet, creating more mature NFT ecosystems that will eventually come roaring back to life. So NFTs are not dead. They're just being born. And on that topic, someone asked me recently about my upcoming Theta NFT drop on their new Theta Drop NFT marketplace, and they wanted to know why I'm doing it. So Theta, first of all, is pretty impressive, by the way. It's a powerful blockchain platform for content. So if you haven't yet, please check it out. But I'm launching NFTs on Theta's platform to benefit a handful of charities, including charities to benefit those suffering from addiction, struggling with mental health and more. It's a fun way for me to engage with the community and help good causes at the same time. So I'm really stoked for it to launch in July. It's got some really cool NFT pieces coming and I will give updates on here and on Twitter if you're interested in picking one of those NFTs up. So make sure you're following me and subscribed and all that sort of good stuff. So thank you. I want to also thank Ledin, the sponsor of Crypto Over Coffee, for helping me continue to improve and grow this show and provide content for you all. And if you're interested in earning interest on your Bitcoin or USDC stablecoins, definitely, definitely check out Ledin. I'll link it below. Because they offer uh, over 6% interest on BTC and 11% interest on USDC stablecoins, which kicks the crap out of any savings account that you could find at any bank. So I also wanted to mention too that the Ledin blog is really great. You can find weekly informational posts about Bitcoin's market action and notable analysis on its price and technicals, etc. So I've been reading it every week and it's good stuff. So I'll leave a link to that blog down below for you to check out along with my referral link to sign up for Ledin if that's your cup of tea. Uh, So thank you in advance for that and big thank you again to Ledin for sponsoring the show. Now, next up is today's game of fact or FUD where I take a piece of no good, very bad news and tell you whether it is fact or simply fear, uncertainty, and doubt. All right, folks, when I did prospecting for topics that folks want to hear about recently, I saw a lot of talk about the Wyckoff distribution model for financial markets, which essentially is a model for predicting financial markets based on psychology, supply, and demand. The scenarios and the model therein were created by legendary technical analyst Richard Wyckoff, by the way. Right now, there is reporting all around the market, especially today, that We're in a phase of the Wyckoff model that indicates another big crash down in price. Of course, this is now making its rounds on social media and in crypto media as people are fearing the worst. Are we in a bull? Are bear market? Are we in a bull market? What's going on? Now, I'm not a TA master or a trader or a financial markets analyst, and I've never claimed to be. I'm a tech guy who invests in stuff I believe will change the world for the better. But I've been on this rodeo. Many times, and I've been on it for many years, and I can speak from experience that these models and charts and analysis are, are right sometimes. In other times, they're totally wrong. Just like anything else, these models and patterns that you see are subject to bias and interpretation, and two people with the same data and the same model can come to different conclusions all the time. So I'm not saying that we we won't have a massive drop in price, but I'm saying that it's not guaranteed like you might be led to believe on social media with headlines and fear-mongering and all this other stuff. The Wyckoff distribution scenarios are really impressive pieces of work. And that's why they've been referenced and used so often over the last several decades. I mean like a hundred years now. However, they are one tool to predict mostly unpredictable markets. So take this with a grain of salt in the bullish and bearish scenarios that you read about. It's like polar opposites. Right now, folks, this is FUD because it's far from a guarantee of where we go in price. And these pieces of news become sensationalized very often. And I think it's a little bit of a dangerous game. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found. And for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech-related fails or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. And speaking of attention, if you want to help this episode of Crypto Over Coffee get some attention from the algorithm robots, please do hit like, get subscribed, follow the podcast, whatever you can do. It helps the robots kind of determine that this content is something that others might also enjoy because you're enjoying it. So thank you for that in advance. But first, coffee break. Everyone always teases me for never finishing my coffee, but I get so distracted talking to you. All right, folks, today we're tackling one of the most widespread illogical moves in all of crypto, this obsession with pro traders and particularly the many Self proclaimed pro traders who pretend that they somehow know the markets and how they're going to go at all times with perfect accuracy, and they have a 100% hit rate on trades. I see it all the time on Twitter, especially. A pro trader, quote unquote, tweets TA threads saying cryptocurrency X is going up or going down, it's doom and gloom or hopium, and the toxic comments start to flood in with people arguing and freaking out and losing their minds in the comments. Ironically enough, The truth is that these traders are giving their own best guesses based on their experience, the charts, and their own implicit biases that humans cannot override no matter what they do. Here's what you need to understand. The pro traders that people idolize might have a hit rate of 10% or 15% in terms of profitable trades and calls, whereas the number of times that they miss or they make a wrong call could be drastically higher in like the 80% range. And and that is is normal. That's what you would expect because if you ask any true, honest pro trader and you get an honest answer, they will tell you that trading is 90% about risk management and cash management and 10% about making the right quote unquote calls. If you can do the former right, you can miss often and still make profit on the few hits. Profitable traders are really good at risk management. Trading is an imprecise and very tricky task and those who are profitable are not profitable because they have an uncanny bent like benefit or uncanny ability to predict the markets. They know how to mitigate losses and maximize the profitable trades when they come. Let me reiterate the key point here. Traders don't know the future. They are not infallible. So when you're scrolling through Twitter and you're looking for your confirmation bias fix as we all do all the time, me included, I'm like, Hey, I need a trader to tell me that what I think is correct. Just take these trader accounts with a grain of salt. Some of these traders on Twitter are very clear about the fact that they don't know what's going to happen for sure and that they lose often on trades they make. Those are the honest ones. The ones you want to watch out for are the ones who give their highlight reel. They play up how great they are, how profitable they are, how often they're right. They cherry pick the past guesses that were correct to show you. The point that I'm trying to make is that traders who play this game and try and pretend that they know indefinitely or definitively what's going on are blowing smoke. And subsequently, folks who spend time worrying about what these traders are predicting should take time to step back, take a deep breath, and realize that these people are not oracles. They can't predict the future with any certainty. So don't listen to me, to pro traders, to market analysts, or even billionaires who have an opinion for some reason. Don't take what we say as gospel because we are all making predictions with our own biases, our own viewpoints, our own investment decisions, data that we have. But truly, for those traders you see pretending that they know what's going to happen for certain, please present them on my behalf with a 404 logic not found. Now, I want to close things out here with a quick update on Elrond because I did see a really cool project come up in the updates this week that I think is notable. It was just announced that OIN Finance is going to be launching an e backed USD stablecoin on Elrond in the coming months, which will be a Fantastic building block for DeFi on the network. Stable coins are critical for the composability of DeFi. Of course, this is undoubtedly going to be a major enablement tool for users of the upcoming MyR exchange, decentralized exchange and swap protocol. Geez, it's like such a hard thing to say. And it's going to be coming soon to the MyR wallet app, which is the fantastic app everyone should be using if you hold eGold. The pieces are moving into place for a huge Cambrian explosion of dApps on eagled and Elrond that will attract. More utility and users for eGold and the Elrond mainnet, respectively, which I'm super stoked about. So, stay tuned for more on this topic as well. Got more Elrond updates coming soon, and trying to get Benjamin Minku back on the channel, the founder of Elrond, to talk more about it. So, thank you so much for watching this episode of Crypto Over Coffee. That is going to do it for the day. If you have some time to stick around, please do check out the video that I have linked up on the screen here. It's about my top three favorite VPN picks. Uh, I'm an avid user of VPNs. It's not a one-size-fits-all privacy and security solution, but every little bit helps. So if you're interested and you're looking for a VPN, check the video out. But regardless, thank you so much for watching this episode and every other episode of Crypto Over Coffee. Hope you and your family have a restful weekend and week ahead. And until next time, cheers.